Hey, football freaks, it's Alan. Just want to take the time here to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. If you're thinking of doing a podcast, there is a way for you to do a show without having to become an audio editing master, a production whiz kid. You can just go to prettyeasypodcasts.com and get your own personal producer at a very, very low cost. That'll be someone who can guide you, assist you, help you out with whatever you need, get your podcast off the ground. If you have an idea or a topic you want to talk about on a weekly basis, a daily basis, it doesn't matter. Go to prettyeasypodcasts.com. Get started today. Take some of the hassle of starting a podcast off your shoulders and let the audio professionals at Pretty Easy Podcasts help you out. Pretty Easy Podcasts is where podcasters go to get their shows recorded and posted with a complete podcast studio at their disposal. Record from home or your office or anywhere, really. Pretty Easy Podcasts caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. Go to prettyeasypodcasts.com, sign up today, be heard, have some fun podcasting, and don't let a lack of technical knowledge hold you back. Go to prettyeasypodcasts.com today. This is the future. This is not the past. The new XFL will kick off in 2020. What the XFL is cooking. It's still football, but it's professional football reimagined. This is our moment, our story to tell. This is history begun. This is the XFL! Welcome, football fans. This is the week of October 20th, 2019. This is the road to 2020. This is the XFL show. I'm Alan. I'm Jake. I'm Vince. And I'm Bryant. This week, the XFL held their five-phase draft, and now we have players. This is episode 92, the inaugural roster breakdown And we are 16 weeks away from kickoff in 2020 for season one of the XFL. And this was a historic week. This was, if you ask me, the best week. This is the week we got players. And boy, oh boy, do we have rosters now. And boy, oh boy, Vince, do we have rosters to break down. Yeah, yeah, it it has begun, uh, I would say. Uh, we know who's on these teams, uh, who's who's you know, in contention to make up the final rosters. You know, everybody could start, you know, really dissecting this to see who they think's gonna, you know, win uh, in this inaugural season. Uh, it, it is something to behold. It's amazing that that it, it's it's finally come and gone the draft and now we've got an actual this is now an actual league i think for some people it wasn't real until we had players bryant it's been real to to all of us for all 92 episodes of this show but now i mean my my google alerts are endless with xfl news because now we've got what how many players 800 plus 900 almost uh, well, 560, but I mean, that's who's counting. Uh, Alan, uh, how many of those alerts were actually of insurance? Any, any of them coming in? Ins- oh, about in, uh, sports insurance? Zero. It was all about like, hey, look how many Nebraska <laughs> Cornhuskers are in the XFL. Look at how many 
Uh, well, a lot of Texas A&M Aggies in the XFL. We're not going to break down by college today. We're going to break down by XFL team and look at how these coaches, general managers drafted. Also, uh, well, Jake, I, I don't know how you experienced the draft, but Bryant and I were actually at XFL headquarters. Did you catch us at all? I, I did catch it, but first let me get my catchphrase in. We are closer than ever to the kickoff <laughs> of the XFL season. I mean, guys, you got to remember, there was a time when all we knew was that the XFL was coming back. We didn't know where these teams were going to be located. We didn't know what these teams were going to be calling themselves and who was actually playing on them. And, you know, by God, we know it right now. Short of uniforms, and, and, you know, we're – we're very, very close. But, yeah, I, exactly how I was watching the draft, um, you know, Vince and myself, we were here manning HQ. A lot of it I, I got to watch during lunch. And, and it was great just, you know, popping it on my phone for uh, for day one, right after phase one. You and Bryant were on, you know, on the XFL's YouTube and on their website. Uh, you know, just seeing you two in the big time made me feel really good for you guys. Oh, well, we appreciate it, Jake. We appreciate it. We we were all over XFL.com, XFL YouTube, at the headquarters in Stamford. And while you were enjoying your lunch, we were doing work. We were we were hanging out and discussing the league with all of our luck. Football operations guys like Eric Galco and Doug Whaley and Sam Schwartzstein. We even spoke to the president, Bryant Jeffrey Pollock. Oh yeah, we had a great, uh, some great interviews with a lot of corporate people out in Stanford. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's, Jake. That's what he was calling all the people while we were. There. I told him you should—they're just people. Why are you calling them corporate they're people? Because they're wearing suits. It was with, it was literally within the first ten minutes that I was there, Al, and that's what happened. I was a little nervous, a little shaky at first, but it was amazing, amazing time there. Thank you to the league for having us there. It was uh, they welcomed us with open arms? They really gave us access to things that I didn't think we were going to get access to. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, some great, uh, some great guests. You know, Sam Schwartzstein was was gracious enough with this time twice. Oliver Lux sat with us three times uh, this past week. If you really think about it, uh, going back to our last episode and then while we were there too, Jeffrey Pollock gave us some great insight. Check out all those interviews, Alan. You and I did recaps of all the phases as well. Uh, those are on the YouTube of the XFL itself. Uh, so. You know, and, 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 you know, thanks to them, we're, we're, we have a lot of first-time listeners probably here today. So welcome, yes, football fans. And make sure you hit that subscribe button and follow us on all the uh, Twitter, Instagram gimmicks, at XFL Show. Uh, we've been here since day one. And if you're starting right now, uh, what better time to join than when you actually have some structure to all these teams? Yeah, we, I mean, we have a lot to break down. And like Brian said, on XFL.com and the XFL's official YouTube channel, over on their pages, you could catch everything that we did at the draft. It's still up there. It's on demand. And that includes instant analysis of all the phases that went by, talking about who got picked, when they got picked. Uh, all the interviews that we just talked about are there. Very enlightening. Give us a glimpse at what went on during the draft, what went into putting the draft together. Also, what's going to happen after the draft. I mean, yeah, we got players, Vince, but when's the schedule come out? <laughs> a lot of people are talking about that. Uh, and I believe the XFL ha uh, tweeted out that we we're going to be seeing the schedule next week. Is that correct, Brian? Yep. Yeah, right, Brian? Confir is that confirmed, Brian? That confirmed. 
Confirmed. Next week, XFL <laughs> yes, schedule. I'm so excited, by the way, Alan. I'm going to jump in a little bit here. The schedule, that's what I'm really about. You the know, schedule I'm going to prove to you that I was 100% right on my prediction from a couple months ago on the schedule. Yeah, Bryant's got the whole mock schedule up, so we're just going to pretty much do when that when that thing comes out, we're going to compare and contrast Bryant and grade you on your mock. I mean, it's straight up. It's going to be really fun. And then, of course, we're going to plan – our trips where we're going to be watching some games live. Uh, Brian, obviously will get to be at a lot of LA games, Vince, but you, me and Jake, we, 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 we gotta, we gotta start some planning here. Some road trips, yeah. plane rides. We got a lot to do here. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm saying at least we're going to be hitting up the Eastern seaboard at, at least. Well, you know, I've got a, a wedding coming up. So I'm thinking when this schedule comes out, that's going to really influence where the bachelor party is. Yeah, no doubt about that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna catch an Amtrak train and definitely catch one of these games. <laughs> <laughs> so the XFL schedule is coming out, and a whole lot more after that. I mean, that we, we've had talk of supplemental drafts, uh, mini camps down the road. I mean, everything that's coming down down the road to 2020 and beyond. We're gonna be talking about having great <laughs> guests right here on this is the XFL show. So, like Brian said, to all the new listeners who are catching us for the first time after finding out about the show, uh, maybe watching the XFL draft coverage or just seeing stuff on social media because it was a busy week there. Uh, welcome aboard and uh, yeah, hit subscribe and, and, and keep riding with us because it's going to be so much fun. It has been a ton of fun, and it's only going to get bigger and better. We were a part of history this week. Let's make some more. Yeah, all listeners out there, we've been doing this for you know over 83 weeks. I mean, it, it has just been a, a, a long time 92. coming. To be exact, uh, ninety-two weeks, uh, <laughs> and just talking about you know the, this the uh, the evolution of, of the XFL and the game of football for that matter, and and as we reimagine the game, and, and I cannot wait to see uh, this league. And now it, it just feels closer than ever right now. It, it like Jake says, <laughs> it's true. It okay, feels. I'll you have... aside. Hold on, Alan. I'll kidding aside. Okay. Even though it is technically closer than ever it it like literally feels closer than ever because we have things we have oh, yeah like i i you can know what i mean picture in my mind right now you know uh landry jones throwing a touchdown pass to ryan broils i mean i i could see it I, yeah. I thought you were gonna say you were picturing bryant with a big la wildcats logo painted on his chest because is that that's what i'm imagining <laughs> I'm picturing Bryant standing side by side with Sean Oakman. I could probably fit in the cavity of his chest. Yeah, he's he's a large human being, and we're going to talk about him and a whole lot of a ton more XFL football players coming up. So, what we got lined up on today's show? Uh, very br- shortly, we're going to get you to some stuff that Bryant was able to capture at the LA Wildcats draft party, the post draft party. Uh, we'll give you a, a sneak peek at what went on at that at that shindig. And then after that, we're basically going to break down these rosters. We're going to look at the draft. We're going to each have our top pick from every XFL team uh, in the draft, regardless of phase, just the best pick that they made, the best selection. And we're also going to go through each team's roster and just kind of break them down, give our notes on each team, what style of play we think each team's going to have based on the players that they selected. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very very busy and we need to get into it where football goes to be reborn 
where football goes to be reimagined. Where one goes to find more of what they need. A place with endless possibilities and hidden gems. A place where only one's limitations determine how much is explored. A place that gives you all the football you can handle and more. This is the XFL Show's Patreon, guiding you to February 2020. Before we get to our traditional cover two, everybody, we have a kind of a new segment we're going to get into here, and I guess we've decided we're going to call this the Good Crisp Interview of the Week. Bryant, because you went to the L.A. post-draft party for the Wildcats. Good Crisp football. Alan, I'm not going to get into my travel troubles after the XFL draft uh, Wednesday morning into Thursday afternoon. Uh, but yes, I did slug my way over to the XFL Los Angeles Wildcats draft party. It was an amazing event. The amount of people there, I'm going to tell you, from what it was a few months ago at a Buffalo Wild Wings to now what they are uh, in, in Culver City this past week, uh, amazing. The The turnout was great. The atmosphere was electric. Coach Moss, uh, Alan, you're going to play some clips here in a little bit that I was able to capture, but it was a great time. Thank you uh, for the XFL Wildcats family for welcoming as they always do uh heather brooks carrots which we found out is uh appropriately named hbk so i love that i'm vince tell me that's your, your favorite hbk correct is that haglin benino and kessel that's, that's <laughs> i'm talking hot. about heather brooks carrots <laughs> very much so that was a great time alan uh, i'm still jealous that none of you guys i'm sorry you guys should be jealous that you have not been able to attend one of these meet, uh fan meet and greets because they're amazing Oh, you don't know how jealous I am, Brian. Especially, <laughs> especially after seeing the video you sent us. I don't us. even know if I rooted for the team yet. Yeah, especially <laughs> after seeing the video you sent us and the, the access you were able to get is just, you know, I mean, every fan gets just going to those meet and greets, those those get-togethers the teams have. Uh, it's amazing. And if you want a, a kind of a glimpse at what goes on, Bryant was able to capture a little bit of the, the fun and also – was able to capture an interview for the good crisp interview of the week with quarterback of the L.A. Wildcats, Luis Perez, right after uh, L.A.'s newest and greatest DJ uh, brings us into this segment. Hey, football fans, this is Bryant, and I'm here with Los Angeles Wildcats quarterback Luis Perez. Luis, congratulations. First, how does it feel to be a uh, L.A. Wildcat? Unbelievable feeling. Being able to be here in my home, you know, my home state, two hours away from home, awesome opportunity to be able to lead a team, and I'm just very thankful for the opportunity, and um, I'm, I'm looking and anxious to get going. You know, personally, as a Wildcats fan, I'm very excited because I saw you play last spring in the AAF. Tell us a little bit about how that experience is going to relate to this experience because really you are one of the only quarterbacks that has that spring football experience. 
Yeah, well, I mean, anytime you get to play football, I mean, it's a great opportunity. And the more you play, the better you get, right? You just learn from all the experiences that, that happen throughout each season. So I think me, me being able to play in the spring was a huge opportunity for me to just grow as a player. Um, and I think some of those things I learned in that league, I think I'll definitely apply them to this league and just keep on improving. How does the coaching staff, how, how, what is your context, I'm sorry, your conversations with the coaching staff, how have you been communicating with them and how they've prepared you for what's about to happen here? Many camps are, you know, in December, it's right, right around the corner. Yeah, so I, after the draft on Tuesday and Wednesday, we kind of, we, we definitely got our guys, the guys that we wanted. So we're, Norm's looking at, you know, some, uh, some offensive schemes that he wants to put in. And I think once we get out there and running routes and kind of seeing everything live, I think we'll have a better idea of kind of what our identity will be. Um, Norm's a big guy playing to his strengths. So depending on what, you know, what kind of team we have, that's the kind of offense we're going to run. Um, so I'm just excited. I'm excited to be able to be coached by you know, Norm Chow, somebody that, you know, he coached my childhood hero, Philip Rivers, Carson Palmer, Matt Lyon. I mean, I can keep going. But, you know, he's an unbelievable coach, unbelievable person, and I'm just very excited to get working with him. Yeah, Norm Chow is one of LA's uh, most regarded coaches of all time. So it's super exciting for that. How about Winston Moss? The man's a great character. He loves it. He seems to love you very much. He, he's going to be a great head coach for this league, I bet. Oh, he's great. Every interaction I have with him, I mean, he's an unbelievable person, very energetic, knows how to get people going, knows how to motivate people I'm just excited you know to be coached by him as well you know being able to be on a team with you know two great coaches like that as, as figures I mean it's an unbelievable you know opportunity for myself and, and everybody else on the team and so we gotta just take advantage of it and, and go out here and win a lot of football games uh, football fans were here live at the LA's draft party this is incredible how do you think about the feelings the fans the, the atmosphere that's already started here we're you know six months away from kickoff yeah it's great I mean I think we're about 100 days away and the, the amount of support and love we're getting right now is unbelievable you know I'm just I'm just excited like, like I was telling you earlier I'm excited I'm anxious to get going and I'm looking forward to see how many how many seats we fill here uh, in game one. <laughs> For sure, Lee Steve. I really appreciate it, man. Congratulations again. Welcome to the XFL. Welcome to the Wildcats. And I'm sure you're going to lead them to promised land. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Good crisp football. There's Bryant with the good crisp interview of the week. Luis Perez, the quarterback of the LA Wildcats. Bryant, I'm sure he was grinning ear to ear knowing that he gets to play for Norm Chow, a guy who is going to assess his roster and use everyone accordingly. I think Landry Jones is probably the only other quarterback that probably wanted to play for somebody so bad. Uh, but every other quarterback should have wanted to play uh, for Norm Chow. And this is going to be great. Yeah, play for your the coach of your childhood hero. What more could you ask for? The X-Files making dreams come true. Uh, Luis Perez, great individual, a great man. Uh, Alan, add another phone number to Brian's cell phone number too, by a cell phone book there because uh, we and him are great friends as well now too. Uh, Luis Perez, uh, I'm, I'm excited for him to quarterback the Wildcats. I know I've, I've, I've talked about him a lot on the a about the AAF and, and our this is not the XFL show, but I'm excited. Uh, the man came from some some training camps this past summer, I believe with the Eagles and the Lions, if I'm not mistaken, and coming over here and and, and coming to LA and. And the atmosphere, like I said, was great. He welcomed it with open arms. Tons of people around him. A lot of players were there, so it was, it was a good opportunity for him to get acquainted with everyone. They're already working out, trying to you know find a practice field for the man. So it was it was a great time. Uh, again, a lot of fun. I am sorry that you guys don't get to go to these uh, because they are just tons of fun. More more so as a different you know, it's, it's so different because I have a different perspective and sense that I'm a podcaster, so I have to kind of like be kind of analytical at the same time but it's so hard not to just want to party with these individuals because that's what it really is well when you have coach winston moss having everyone jumping around did he also do let me clear my throat 
It said, did he do a whole set? That was like the most fire intro to an, an interview I've ever heard. <laughs> it, it was a little bit so, but there was also some uh, beatboxing going on, not by oh Winston Moss, but some other some of the other coaches there as well. Uh, it was it was a great time. So th- this is this is gonna like gonna be so cool. Like like we talked about Bryant with uh, Oliver Luck, the personalities you already see them blossoming around the league. And when you say Luis Perez gets to play for Norm Chow, I mean there are a lot of quarterbacks that were assigned this past week that I think are really happy about the the coaches they get to work with uh, because there are some very good uh, quarterback coaches, very good coaches who are going to really help some of these young QBs uh, grow and become better players. And we'll talk about uh, all of them. But uh, first, Vince, Jake, uh, in this week's uh, cover two, the first portion, we're going to give you two the form to ask us any questions you may have about Bryant and I's field trip to XFL headquarters. Going for two. Go for two and the lead. So, You'd like to ask anything, Vince, because I know you wish you were there. What do you need to know? Yeah, yeah, I was, you know, I was, I was following along on the website, and I, I was watching some some of the live broadcasts. I saw you guys on there live with, with Mr. Luck and uh, um, Bob Stoops on the first day, which I still can't believe Bob Stoops is in this league. Um, well, I I still can't believe that I got to interview him. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess that sort of proves it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, come uh, <laughs> February twenty twenty, um, but uh, you know, I, just, just you know, what what was the atmosphere like? You know, what were were you know were people was anybody nervous? I know you guys weren't necessarily interacting with the individual teams in war rooms or roar rooms, but you know, what was you know what was the feeling like in the office? I'm going to say it was pretty relaxed, but still all business at the same time. Like it was, it was kind of running like a well-oiled machine and everybody knew what they were doing. And they were, you know, people at points of the day, people had their head down and were just grinding away, doing what they had to do in some rooms. You had people working on, you know, the, the website, or you had people working on in marketing in one area, this is awesome office that everybody at the end of the draft piled into the, the draft room it was was an amazing sight. It that really felt so cool to be in that room, Bryant. Right, the very end of the draft. I, I think the XFL put a Twitter video or something with it. But literally everybody who works at the league office was in that room for the very last pick, celebrating, screaming, confirmed, and I mean, just it was, it was a really cool atmosphere and also very welcoming. And I mean, think about it. These are, as Bryant said, you know, in jest corporate people but these are people you know this is their job and uh, a couple of fans and Bryant and I who are you know we podcast and you know we've got we've got our cred but still they let us in as kind of outsiders and welcomed us like we we're like we were part of the family and that's what you really felt the whole time you were there so this league is being run that way and when you consider that and everybody's on the same page you got to feel hopeful for the future for the for the league that's Really, what I took from the experience. I mean, Alan, I you, you basically took all the words right out of my mouth because it's exactly how I feel in terms of being welcomed. I mean, to be told that we are family to this league was just something that I never imagined would be said to me when we started this so long ago. Um, yeah, we we all when you say that the entire office, right? The, the, everyone who works there 
piled into this room we were there too like that that's how cool it was we were just a part of this big team trying to make this happen as smooth as possible and and everybody was was stopping in checking in on us asking if they you know if we needed anything you know uh sam schwartz you know mentioned it earlier just kind of walked in and, and sat and talked to us for a while this was like not part of anything he literally just came in said how are you doing and we talked football i mean this is not part of an interview it wasn't part of anything other than just a couple guys talking football and then in comes um uh, eric galco and we had even a bigger conversation about football so it was just a really cool just relaxed atmosphere uh when it came time for business people were ready uh you know there were a lot of uh, great people out there working on on a lot of social media stuff so that, that was really exciting to me being the social media geek that i am um but still just everybody really telling us you know that, that we're doing a good job and they love what we're doing was also kind of just like a like a, a feeling that i never thought i would get while podcasting and, and alan you and i have been doing podcasting i mean all of us have really been doing podcasting for so long so this is kind of I'm not going to say the cherry on top but this is one of the definitely the highest moments i've re- ever experienced uh, while doing podcasts oh absolutely yeah that this was one you know a, a pinnacle and the thing is like we were welcomed in not for any kind of that wasn't like preferential treatment this is how the league plans on interacting with all fans they, anyone who's enthusiastic about the XFL, anybody who's going out there doing a podcast or trying to get involved with the league somehow, I mean, it, it's gonna, it's, it's. This is what the league's all about. They're welcoming people in. They want to hear your voice. They're gonna literally have an advisory board that is gonna be, uh, you know, eventually rolled out, and that's gonna be all for fans to give their their opinions and thoughts on on, on what this league should be. They're literally helping, having fans help build the league from the ground up. And on on top of that too, I also one thing I noticed, uh, Jake, if if the the play on the field is equivalent to the 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 work and the play inside of the offices, this league is a hundred year brand because damn everybody works so hard. We're gonna see some good crisp football. I feel. Yeah, that's what I was hearing from you guys. Uh, you know, talking about the play on the field. Uh, I, I know I asked both of you to ask, you know, if they need any input for the rule book. And I'm I'm sure you guys asked them if I can help in any way. <laughs> what did, what did oh, they say? Wait, 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 can I can I tell him, Alan? Can yeah. I tell him? Tell him Jake. The rule book was shown to us. We yes. it was like in our presence. We saw it. It was like this glow. We bound saw it. In, bound in leather. Oh no. Not <laughs> quite. Was it was it in a gold was it in a gold box? It was no, glo- but it, had, like, it was glowing glow around it. It was glowing. Yeah, like was yeah. it was it chiseled in stone? It it was not chiseled. It was not on a <laughs> okay. it it was on paper though. It wasn't like it wasn't on a tablet. presented to you in two slabs that all of our luck was holding. <laughs> no, no, no. But okay, all right. It, it was randomly just presented to us unexpectedly and it did have a glow. It had this goldish, you know, just essence. I it had a smell too, Brian. Did you smell it? It kind of smelled I don't know. It smelled success. like, huh? <laughs> like success? No, it's it's it smelled like <laughs> I don't know. It smelled like something sacred almost. I don't. I could. I, I, it smelled like like ancient ruins or something. I don't know. I can't. I can't put my finger on it. But yeah, we were in the presence of the rule book, and uh, oh my goodness, that was that was maybe one of the highlights. I mean, just. <laughs> that came out. We both were like, "Oh, damn! There's the rule book. It's actually a real thing." <laughs> It's an actual book, and uh, that's going to be out eventually, Jake, and you'll be reading it on this show in a British accent. Oh, you know how I am with accents. Maybe I'll just be reading it. 
Well, everyone at the league office was telling us they want you to read it in a British accent if if you can. All right. Well, uh, to be determined, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, that it was really, it was a, it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, was, and we our were, trip. you know steps away from the the main draft room, so we were popping in and out of there all day long. Uh, you know, seeing people walk around. No one was really ever really scrambling, right, Alan? It seemed controlled. It seemed mm-hmm. everybody was knew what they were doing. Uh, so it was kind of cool. I think me, you and I might have been the most like uh, wired people there. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, while we were there. Oh yeah, we were we were the ones running around because we were co- trying to come up with new stuff to make and, and just making sure everything was cool. Like, are you? We were like, are you sure we could just throw whatever up on the YouTube? And they said yes. They gave us the keys. <laughs> And so we we put together some phase breakdowns and we interviewed everybody we could. And uh, we've got more interviews coming down the road too, uh, stemming from the best part about it, Vince, is we went to HQ there to the whole draft. And uh, not only did we were we allowed in, but we thrived and stemming from it, we should be getting some awesome guests and and even more access. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see what what's to come here. Uh, you know, the XFL uh, is is uh, really really rolled out the red carpet for you guys and and, and for our program and all fans and, and all fans really. Yeah, I mean, we, we are we are uh, here at this is the XFL show. You know, we are a a voice for the fans. You know, because we know it, it's all about you know what the fans want. We're trying to re- reimagine this game because it's the quality I, of the play before. They are listening. The XFL is listening. They want to hear what the fans have to say. This is a league for the fans, and that's what this show is all about. Absolutely. And now that we have players, it's also all about talking football. And we have football players to talk, finally, on the show. And now uh, this is something, you know, we, we've, done, we've, we've done it in a speculative fashion. This is now like analyzing actual rosters and draft picks. This is football talk, and it's the best kind, and we're going to get into it right this very second, starting with the draft itself and a simple question for all of us, and we're going to go around the table for every single team. Who was the top pick for each team? And let's start with the Dallas Renegades. Vince, your team, Bob Stoops, who's actually the head coach, general manager of that team. Selected a lot of good players in this draft. Who stood out the most to you? Ah, man, I mean, I, I liked a lot of picks from from Coach Stoops in this draft. But uh, if I'm talking value, and and you hear that thrown out a lot when we talk drafts, I mean, my God, Ryan Broyles in Phase Five. I mean, you could not pick a perfect player to go in this how mummy offense with Landry Jones and company there. Oh, my goodness. That's that. I thought I had a feeling you were going to go with at least one of the Sooners that Stoops picked. And yeah, surprisingly Broyles goes in phase five. The reasoning he was picked later. We don't know, but we know he's a good player. My guy I picked for the Renegades was Hauli Kikaha, who is arguably the, the, the best speed rusher that, that got drafted. And I think he's going to be a terror on the edge for the Dallas Renegades. How about you, Brian? How, who'd you have in Dallas as the best pick? Uh, well, you mentioned uh, Kikaha or Kikaha. Uh, I was kind of going along that r- realm. I'm going to say, 
Alan, you mentioned him on the on the on the broadcast last week, so I'm going to bring him up as an offensive lineman because you're talking about value, Vince. You said that yourself to get a, a lineman that Alan you so highly regard in the in Phase Five uh, might as well be mentioned here today, and that's. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it. You got this. I tr- I believe okay, in you. Here we go. Help me out. <laughs> uh, Maya Tuhema, Tuhema, Tuhema. As good as you Tuhema. can do. Tuhema. You got it. Tuhema. Ish. Good job. <laughs> to get yourself a decent O lineman in the in phase five, that's going to be able to compete for a position there. I think that's great value. So good job on that pick for them. Yeah, I'm interested to see what he does because he's always been a talented player. But you notice in phase five, some players, uh, if you look at their history, phase five players. Not all, not all phase five, five players, of course, but just a, lo- uh, a lot of them or any players that were drafted in this draft that maybe have had personal issues or some kind of issue in the past. They might have been that maybe that's a reason why they were drafted in phase five. That's one. Uh, my Tuhema ends up leaving LSU and uh, finishes up at southeastern Louisiana, I believe. But yeah, we talked about him last week. He's a big, mean lineman uh, who this line for Dallas we'll talk about, I think, is really good. How about you, Jake? Who stood out the most? Pick wise, best pick for the Dallas Renegades. Well, I mean, I can't believe nobody brought up Willie Beavers yet, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to go with him. You're asking me He's who good. the top pick of, of the Dallas Renegades was. Well, I got to go with the guy that they picked first. And uh, I, pronunciation on this last name is it uh, Jeff Baudet or, or Badet or? <laughs> is that what I sound like when I try to say names out loud? Yeah, pretty well, much. <laughs> <laughs> Yours was a lot more uh, difficult than mine, but it can go. It's bidet, bidet, bidet. I, I don't see any uh, inflection over it or anything. But uh, okay, Jeff, it's, Jeff bidet. Well, the p- correct pronunciation, Jake, is Jones. That's how you pronounce it. I could not think he was a, a, a real pick. It, well, our, our, well, I guess when we're saying pick, yeah, we're not talking about the assigned quarterbacks, although they were picked in a preferential order. So did anybody put a quarterback on this? Cause we all asked the, you know, we put these questions out before. Did anyone have one of the assigned quarterbacks as the top pick for a team? No. Cause I think the pick, I, I took it as strategy. How do they get their pick? How do they get their guy? So I went with top pick. Yeah. Well, go to the assigned quarterbacks though, Vince, do you, seeing who went where, do you feel like any team maybe didn't get the guy they wanted? They, or they had to settle. Said I, I mean that's you know tough to say. I mean, I mean, somebody had to lose. It's not like you know the chances of all eight of these teams getting I'm, the exact guy that they wanted is poor. I mean, I suppose you can make an argument that you know maybe a player like a Connor Cook for for the Houston Roughnecks is better than you know maybe some of the quarterbacks that were assigned to teams. That's, I mean, absolutely, uh, that could be the case. And I can't wait to see these camps because I'm sure there's going to be some quarterback competitions around the league uh, in what cities. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure we know quite yet, but I'm, I'm definitely guessing some of these jobs, even though some of the quarterbacks were assigned to teams, are up for grabs, wouldn't you, Vince? Absolutely. I'd say some of them are definitely up to grabs, uh, uh, for sure, in, in – in uh, Seattle, I definitely see. Um, I battle. It's going to be there. Oh, man. What's that? I said, what a quarterback battle. I'm excited for that one because that's Brandon Silvers, Joe Calhoun, and B.J. Daniels all going for one spot. That's going to be a great battle. 
Yeah, you can maybe you can maybe argue uh, the New York Guardians are going to have a uh, a quarterback battle on their hands as well, Ooh, and I, of course the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah, I, I definitely think in Houston is a, a, a possibility. I don't know about New York. I feel like they're Matt McGloin fits like a glove into a Kevin Gilbride offense. I, I just have uh, a feeling. Well, 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 Gilbride uh, did he coach Cordell at one time? Uh, I believe he was the Steelers coordinator with Cordell Stewart as the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I could see a Marquise Williams, you know, maybe filling in some of that. I, I also don't remember know if you remember this, Vince. Kevin Gilbride not too successful with Cordell Stewart and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, that's the thing about uh, <laughs> you know, about offensive coordinators. Even if, even if they're not successful, they still like it. It's, it's true. <laughs> so, there's some guys like that. Some guys adapt. Some guys do adapt, and then they end up winning Super Bowls like Kevin Gilbride did. Um, let's move on to our favorite pick from the L.A. Wildcats, though. Uh, this was a tough one for me. I'll start. I went with Sean Oakman because he's six foot nine and is like the scariest looking person that got drafted in this whole draft. And how the hell is anybody going to block him? that's a good that's a good question you know we talked about him you know on our uh on our recap shows which you could go back and listen to the archives and also on xfl.com uh you know we talked about mr oakman there and an excellent kick blocker as well yes and that's a very rare thing to have is someone whose special specialty is blocking kicks who's your best la wildcat pick vince uh, I'm going to go receiver again, and another value pick that I really liked here, Adonis Jennings, wide receiver. Uh, this guy, he fits what what a uh, Winston Moss offense is probably going to look like, especially from the wide receiver position, a physical wide receiver, a nice big body there, a good target. Phase five pick there for, from Vince. Yeah. Where'd you go with, Jake? I'm, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to stay in round one, phase one, and go with Elijah Hood. I mean, one of the uh, one of the three running backs, at least, picked in round one for phase one. So I think that tells us a little bit about what Coach Moss is going to want to do. You know, I, I think he wants to beat you by just punishing you. And, yeah. you know, nothing. That's how you, you know, become his friend. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know, nothing emasculates a team like just, you know, being run on and having the clock, you know, just ticking down the whole game. Right. You're L.A. Wildcats. What was the best pick? You got to be kind of diplomatic about this, don't you? I will. No, I, and, and um, I, I got a chance to kind of meet him uh, yesterday. Um, excuse me. The, earlier this week when I was at the uh, L.A. Wildcats uh a draft party, but Nelson Spruce, I brought him up too on the last episode of some great value. The man caught like a thousand passes in college. Uh, he's been around the league, a little, around the NFL a little bit, did some damage down in San Diego with the fleet in the AAF. Great value there. If you can get that, you know, the third down, uh, he, he can look for his hands because he's probably going to catch the ball. I, I mean, I love the, that the Wildcats, they took multiple guys, with lots of uh, experience catching the football in college, guys who did it a lot, and that might be a wise decision. Going to the Houston Roughnecks, I think this is easy for us all. We can all agree. Connor Cook was the best pick, phase one, yeah. round one. Yeah. I mean, number two. That's what I would have said. 
I mean, that was just a tremendous selection. And now Coach June Jones has two quarterbacks. He could really plug into his system and pick the best one and make sure that his offense is running as good as gold, especially with all those wide receivers they got. Uh, Connor Cook is my my best pick for the Roughnecks. Brian, I don't know about you. Well, I know everybody here is probably going to say Connor Cook. So for the sake of argument, I will throw this in terms of value at linebacker. Uh, I mentioned him too. Andrew Jackson out of Western Kentucky, phase three, round seven, uh, pick 54 overall. Uh, the man had like a thousand tackles as well in the AF. So that's another thing that you're going to want at your linebacker position. Someone to plug some holes and get some tackles for you. So I think that's some great value for them too. And since we're probably not going to talk about anybody else here too, I'll just say uh, Terry Poole at tackle in uh, phase two, round two. Uh, some great value there. As well. Yeah, we'll break down the Roughnecks roster in a little bit, but let's go to the D.C. defenders. I think they maybe got the guy who potentially could be the biggest game-breaker of them all in Donnell Pumphrey, who's suffered some injuries, San Diego State, but this is like one of those guys who it, it, home run hitter at running back. And uh, I know they also got the running back you were liking going into this draft, Jarrell Presley Bryant, but – Pumphrey to me, if if healthy, could be special for DC. Yeah, I, I did like that they um they uh, got the um Jerome Presley huge thing to me. To me, I actually like their their pick that they got at quarterback. Their only other quarterback, uh, Tyree Jackson, round uh round nine, uh, in phase one, uh, solidifying some backup. Uh, they really didn't pick anybody else, so it seems like it's going to be Cardell's team to run, uh, putting all their. Uh, eggs in one basket with him, but at least getting yourself a decent backup, somebody that people are familiar with that can uh, manage a game if you need him to uh, at quarterback Tyree Jackson. And throw the ball like a billion yards, two huge arms for both quarterbacks in D.C. Vince, who's your pick for best pick for the defenders? Uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking Pumphrey myself. I mean, this guy you know, has, like you said, Alan, the ability to be, to be a game changer uh, if healthy. And you know, getting him that late in the in uh in the in the phase one rounds, I mean, I think that's huge for them. Yeah, he was around seven in phase one. How about you, Jake? Who's your best defender pick? There can only be one man that can say he was the first pick ever in the new XFL, and that's Rashard Davis. And if if I was him, I would be letting everybody know it for the rest of my life. So, so that's why I got to go with Rashard Davis, wide receiver. Yeah, I love the XFL.com has some really good write-ups on a lot of the players that were drafted, and Rashard Davis's write-up is really good. Uh, and just, I mean, basically just if, if they were going to have nicknames on the backs of jerseys, which they won't, but I, I'm sure his would say smooth because I think it was written like three or four times in his scouting report on XFL.com and just a guy who's not just fast, not just quick, but has hands, reliable, and you saw how many receivers were taken in phase one. He was the very first one. You're right, Jake. Uh, That's historic right there, the James Madison wideout. Um, Tampa Bay, this was a tough one for me to pick. I went with Arian Springs, the cover corner with speed, because I don't know how many – Cover corners, man corners are going to be in this league, but I think he's one of them. I'm going with Arian Spriggs for the Tampa Bay Vipers is my best pick for them. How about you, Vince? Hey, that's a nice pick that you had there, Alan. And, uh, I'm I'm going actually Oregon. quarterback here. 
quarterback Taylor Cornelius at Oklahoma State. I followed this guy's career very closely with the Cowboys. I, I really like what this kid could do in a wide open Saturday style offense. And I think he, uh, you know, if, if the Tampa Bay Vipers employ that kind of attack, don't be surprised if this guy makes a, uh, a charge and ends up being the starter there. You think he could? It's not. It's not Aaron Murray's. He's not going to be crowned he's going to have to earn it over taylor cornelius I, I, I think i think this is this is going to be one of the closer races out there wow bryant what about you vipers oh man if aaron murray gets selected again highly in the draft or gets assigned it doesn't get to start oh man that's that happened to him in the aaf we'll see if it happens to him again uh this one was a little tough for me not too many rec- recognizable names so i'm just going to go with uh the first overall pick jake i'm sorry if i stole your pick here but i'm going to go with obum uh, Guachim, uh, Guachim, out of Oregon State, uh, defensive end. You need that edge rusher to 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 help uh, get after the quarterback. So I think that's a great pick for them. Uh, they had a game plan. Uh, I believe they they actually selected this position based on the lottery. Uh, so Obam Guachim out of Oregon State, good defensive end. I see them uh, uh, trying to to get after the quarterback, and, and hopefully, I think they also went cornerback, cornerback, if I'm not mistaken, too in the in phase four. So they're probably gonna play a lot of man, maybe some. Uh, some uh, some blitzing there too to help uh, Obum uh, get some sacks. Brian, I'm going to agree with you, and I, I'm going to let you do the do the dirty work and pronounce his name. So one Good more job. time, <laughs> it's Obum Guachem. He play, He I Guachem. covered. Yeah, you, I covered him when he played for the Saints, and he is a legit edge rusher. First pick of Phase Three. Uh, yeah, that's a, I mean, a good pick to say the least for the Tampa Bay Vipers, the New York Guardians. Oh my goodness! This was maybe my the most one of the most interesting drafts to me. Uh, but the best pick they made, I think, Vince was Cyrus Quanjo, because you need to protect Matt McGloin if he's your quarterback. You need to give him time, and uh, that's a guy who knows how to do it. Yeah, you could go back and listen to the archives. I've been talking about Mr. Quanjo for for quite some time here, uh, and make sure you subscribe to this is the XFL show on whatever podcast application you may choose that's the best way to listen to the show it automatically gets downloaded to the device of your choice and it's it, right now 100 free of charge too you can't beat that uh but mr Quanjo here this guy a five-star recruit uh going out of high school going to the university of alabama one of the best offensive linemen in his class didn't quite turn out in the NFL. Uh, it's been a, lot, a little while since uh, he was in the NFL, but this kid, uh, I'll tell you, he, he had he has all the tools one way or another, and I can't wait to see how much gas he's still got left in the tank here with the Guardians. Brian, who'd you have as the best Guardians pick? Ooh, the best Guardians pick. I'll tell you one that I was the most familiar with, and I was surprised that he lasted as long as he did. Marquise Williams, one of the highlighted players uh, by the XFL quarterback out of uh, North Carolina. Had some experience, I believe, in the NFL as well, as well in the AAF. Uh, he's going to give Matt McGloin some, some a run for his money. The question that I have, two very different styles of quarterback between Matt McGloin and Marquise Williams. Uh, depending on who starts, when one if one of them goes down, it's going to throw a wrench in their game plan. So a very interesting pick, but I like it because it gets, keeps their options open at quarterback. What about you, Jake? Yeah, I'm going to go with Justin Stockton, not the first running back uh, that the Guardians picked, but, you know, he does have that AAF experience. 
as of recently, you're going to need a ground game. You know, nonetheless, it doesn't matter how much, uh, you know, Matt McGloin or whoever ultimately does start for them is going to be throwing the ball. Uh, you know, you need another threat for the, uh, you know, the, the play action. And coming out of Texas Tech, like I said, the recent AAF experience, uh, you know, I got to go with Justin Stockton here. Yeah, I got some a good thing here on Stockton in the run game for the Guardians when we go through their roster breakdown. Uh, let's go to Seattle, though, for their best pick. And I don't know. I think this is no contest. It's Keenan Reynolds, maybe the best yeah. overall football yes. player in the entire draft. Yeah, Naval Academy, former quarterback. I mean, this this kid could do it all. He could probably play running back, too, if you ask them to. Uh, you know, just a, a tremendous uh, you know, nose for first down markers, this kid. Could be and the face of the athlete. league, if you ask me. Yeah, and, and a damn good one at that, too. You know, uh, just an outstanding human being. 100%. How about you, Bryant? You can argue against What's Keenan so Reynolds. I know, just outstanding human being. I think that, that was a funny saying. I'm not saying that's a funny thing. It just it was funny. I can laugh. Let me laugh. No laughing. This is serious draft talk. <laughs> We're not here to have fun, Bryant. Uh, so here's here's I'm gonna spin this one. I'm gonna break the rules a little it's bit the here. I'm say the play. best pick was their quarterback position overall. Like I mentioned earlier, I think this is gives them they have the most depth at quarterback with Brandon Silvers, Joe Callahan, and BJ Daniels, and Keenan Reynolds, and Keenan Reynolds. Yes, Reynolds too. there you go too. You you have That's that. Well, and you know what? Uh, we saw it this past week at the Pittsburgh Syracuse game. Uh, Plays like double uh, forward passes are so easy to happen and can, it can lead to great so point easy. scoring. Uh, this is going to be huge, huge. <laughs> so uh, great quarterback battle. I'm going to say they did overall well in that quarterback position. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Those are so easy to pull off, Brian. The double forward pass. <laughs> hey, uh, why are you laughing? Well, stop laughing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Pitt did pull it off. You're right. Hail to Pitt. They got that. They They scored there. How about you, Jake? Seattle Dragons, who was their best uh, pick? Vince talked me into it. There, there, there's no arguing against a good human being. Keenan Reynolds, baby. <laughs> All right, Bryant, your team, the St. Louis Battlehawks. What's their best pick? Um, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. This one was easy for me too. Let me scroll. Let me scroll. To, no, no, not that. Uh, oh, and ten. My goodness. Let him think about no, it. Vince. Okay, no, I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you a real no, I'll give you a real pick. Here we go. Uh man, I never I'm gonna say Pearsonell, wide receiver out of Nebraska. Uh I talked to him a little I talked about him a little bit too. I thought he was one of the better receivers in the AAF. I think that's a great value for them. I'm not gonna mention anybody on their defense because it scares the living heck out of me. The, oh, the Battlehawks D. I mean it's Terrence Garvin's the best pick, if you ask me, by the Battlehawks. The linebacker, they're among other great defensive picks they made. Uh, Vince, who you got as the best Battlehawks pick? Uh, you know, call me crazy, but I'm, maybe this is a little bit mainstream, but I'm going Christine Michael here. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that this guy was playing at a very high level in the NFL at the running back position. Uh, and, you know, they, they grabbed him in, in round one of phase one, and I can't wait to see what he does. It's a big workhorse type running back that you got good speed too. yeah i mean that's if he still has it in the tank he will be one of the elite players in the xfl jake who's your best battle hawk pick i i was thinking about saying ishmael hyman uh but i'm I'm not going to say that i'm going to go with christine uh michael also the first again making history the first running back taken in the new xfl which was followed immediately by two more so you know i don't know if 
Seattle and LA were thinking something different before that, but they did follow suit for one reason or another. Yeah, that's 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 true. Uh, Coach Stoops told us that nobody took anybody that they wanted for a lot, like what till like the seventeenth pick they made or something. So we were wondering, uh, yeah, how how much of that would be going on if uh, you know audibles would have to be called in war rooms. Maybe we'll get we'll learn th- uh, more about what actually happened uh, with time, but I'm sure none of the coaches are going to be talking about it for a while. Um, over, overall, the best pick of the draft now. Before we move on to the hot read and break down the rosters, what was the absolute best pick of the XFL draft, Brian? Oh, Sean Oakman. I didn't say I didn't say he was the best pick for the Wildcats, <laughs> but because I'm saving it for the best pick in the draft to get him in Phase Five, a man of his size. Uh, he's gonna wreak havoc to any <laughs> offensive lineman. What's so funny? I don't understand. I giggle that you're over there on the floor rolling. <laughs> it makes sense. Size, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna dominate some offensive lines. You know what? They might even put him at tackle or guard and dominate some defensive lines as well. I mean, it's tough to argue against a, a, a person that colossal. Um, I almost went with that, but I. I mean, I think it's Cardell Jones, if you ask me, but he's not a pick. He's an assigned quarterback, so he's not eligible for this this bit we're doing. But I think Cardell Jones, the D.C., is insane and really good for Pep Hamilton. But I think overall the best pick is Terrence Garvin. I mean, he's the guy of all these players that most recently look like a dominant football player. How he didn't get swooped up by an NFL roster, I don't know. But I think he's going to be a tremendous leader for the Battle Hawks. It's tough to disagree with you. Was Garvin your best pick of the draft, Vince? No, it's not. But, I mean, <laughs> it's, a tr- it's a tremendous pick. Uh, my pick here, uh, I'm going with the New York Guardians. Uh, and this was in, in the, the fifth phase. I'm going Quadri Henderson, uh, the, the, the gingerbread man. This guy, uh, utility player, all purpose. He, he just screams XFL to me. He could be a home run hitter. He could be a big-time player. That's an interesting statement, real quick, because I know I, I don't want to go. What is a, a XFL player to you, Vince? Just like when you say that, somebody that could just do it all and reimagine the game. Ooh, okay, I accept it. Someone, somebody that probably has a lot left in the tank. Right? Someone who, oh, if man. someone who, if the league actually allows kickoffs to be returned, might actually be a pretty impressive player when he gets the ball. That's in his it. Hands. That's it. That's it. And I'm pounding the table right now. I like, I love what I just heard right there. Allows exciting things to happen. That's what the XFL is all about. Jake best pick of the XFL draft. I mean, you know, you're, you're never going to know for sure, but you know, and maybe I'm still in your pick, uh, but Connor cook has the, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's possible. Who knows what's going to happen down there in Houston, there could be a battle. And, you know, he he was not a son. He was chosen for this role for a reason. So it's possible that, you know, you, you could be looking at an MVP right here. But it, it's also possible that he's not going to, you know, he's not going to start in, in any game also. It, so. it would be pretty awesome, though, to see, you know, him go out there, do special things, and then you go back and say, Houston, unlike everybody else, went out there and snagged that guy when no one else was getting quarterbacks in the first round of that phase, they they went for him, and it and it pays dividends. That could be huge, right? Yeah, yeah, it could set a, a precedent for you know year two, year three. Uh, 
year five, what, whatever it's going to be. I, again, I don't know. It, it could be a complete bust, but it's, it is something to think about. It's really the most uh, interesting pick that was made for sure. And we'll see how they all pan out like any draft, but this was, well, a 70 round draft with, with eight assigned quarterbacks, lots of interesting picks. And now we have a, a eight rosters to break down. Hey, football freaks, it's Alan. Just want to let you know about a brand new football podcast that myself, Vince, and his wife, Pam, started. We want more people to hop on board and start listening because we are talking college football on a national scale with a very extreme Pitt Panther bias. It's called the Hell to Pitt Podcast, and yes, we do focus a lot on the Pitt Panthers, but if you just want to hear us talk more football, if you want a place to go listen to some college football talk, check out the Hell to Pitt Podcast, available on all podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, it's out there. Subscribe today, Hell to Pitt Podcast. It is brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts, and it is absolutely free of charge. Subscribe and review today. Hail to Pitt. And we're going to break them down in this week's Hot Read. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! Hey, Rick Flair! Rick Flair! Pepper, Flip, Caliber. Motown, Happy, Jolly, Drop, Buster, Burger, Tiger! And he's got a hound. I don't know about you guys, but when these rosters were settled after the draft, I got to work and started scouting and breaking them down and trying to figure out what these teams are going to look like. We're going to talk about some of the picks made by each team, but then also try to sort out what the what style of play each team's going to have. Hopefully, I don't know, we're still pretty far out. We've got mini camps and training camps and cut days to happen, Bryant, but we're going to take a stab at it and look at what kind of plan of attack each team's going to have. So if you have any players to watch, ideas what these coaches are thinking about, let's get into it. Starting with Bryant's favorite team, the St. Louis Battlehawks. Right off of the bat, I noticed they got two Missouri wide receivers with Damian Washington and Marcus Lawrence, and they got a heap of great defensive players, Terrence Garvin, Herb Miller, Kenny Robinson, Will Hill, Casey Sales, a handful of guys that have AAF experience, Bryant. That defense is stacked. They're going to rely heavily on that D, and they're going to hope to run the ball, I, I, I'm predicting. I'm with you that uh, as well, Alan. they got some great wide receivers, like I mentioned earlier, Pearsonell, uh, great uh, defensive uh, a linebacker in Terrence Garvin. We talked about him. Will Hill was one of my picks at safety. Uh, that's going to be great. I question, in all honesty, I question the quarterback position a little bit with Jordan Taumu. And Brogan Roback, they picked him in the in the second round of Phase One. I hope they can run the football because their quarterback spot a little iffy to me right now. Uh, we'll see how that goes because they didn't pick a third one. Uh, so it's either Brogan or it's Jordan. We'll see who wins out. But they got Brogan right, Roback. Like they got Brogan Roback pretty early compared to all the other teams. They got him in the second round, so they were the second team to take a quarterback in the draft to have an experienced guy behind Jordan Tamu, the youngster. 
Yeah, but again, I, you know, Brogan, I don't think was high on a lot of draft boards. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, but I'm just going to say that that quarterback position may be a little too, too too soft for me right now. But either way, still a great team. A lot of great running uh, running capabilities there with Christian Michael, uh, Christine Michael, excuse me, and Matt Jones to back them up. Uh, some great depth at wide receiver as well. What stands out about the St. Louis Battlehawks to you, Jake? Well, I, I want to ask you a question, first of all. So you're thinking that this team is going to be, their strengths are going to lie in the defense. It's not going to be, you know, the greatest show on turf 2.0. I On paper, I don't know if that will happen. Although Jordan Tamu is capable of lighting it up, but he is the youngest quarterback taken in the assigned quarterback uh, of the eight assigned quarterbacks. Maybe he has something to prove. I, I don't know yet. Well, let, let me ask you something, Alan. You know, you br- you're bringing up these two Missouri wide receivers. Uh, Tomu at Ole Miss, you know, this guy was somebody who was chucking it deep and had a pair of great wide receivers in A.J. Braun and D.J. Metcalf. Well, correct, uh, correction, nasty wide receivers, nasty wide outs. Yes, they, they were. Uh is this are these the kind of receivers that can do that kind of stuff for him? I mean, I uh, it, it seems a little shaky to me. Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, not, not the talented pair that he had at Ole Miss. So uh, this is going to be probably more put on his shoulders than he had in college. This is why it's uh, pivotal that they got a guy like Christine Michael, I'm sure. And this looks just like a team to me that's going to be running the ball and hoping to play some great defense which I think they'll, they'll be capable of doing. Uh, let's go to the D.C. Defenders roster now, though, because they got Cardale Jones and Tyree Jackson, so they're able to throw the ball very, very far with either quarterback. And they got two pretty good running backs, Bryant and Jarrell Presley and Donnell Pumphrey. And I got to tell you, on the line, they got Kyle Murphy was their top pick, but down the line they got Toby Weathersby, a very special lineman, if healthy, LSU Tiger. I'm interested to see how their defense, though, shapes up more than anything. They took six cornerbacks in a row in phase four. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> uh, yeah, the offensive uh, side of the ball looks great to me. Uh, they got some good depth at running back with Gerald Presley leading that way. I like their defense. You got Scooby Wright. You got uh, Raheem Moore at safety. Uh, you know, Charles Harris at defensive end. You're right. They went heavy, heavy cornerback. Uh, questionable as to exactly what they're going to run there, uh, but still some great uh, talent on the defensive side of football. Some well-known names, some experience. Uh, I'm digging it. I am a little worried. Didn't pick a kicker. Yeah, no kicker. Yeah, they're going to wait. Vince, what does that tell you that they took six cornerbacks to start off Phase Four? Uh, it tells me you know they you know they value you know good coverage. Um, you know that's what you know they they plan on you know. You deploying a lot of nickel, a lot of dime, and then they're going to have to you know, try to match up with all these receivers. That's kind of you know a strategy I would have considered, uh, depending on who the linebackers I got were. Uh, that's you know, kind of in line with what I would have done. That's it's maybe the the best strategy. We talked about that beforehand. Corners are going to be very important. Coverage very important in this league. Jake, what stands out about the D.C. Defenders roster to you? Well, I mean, you're getting Cardell Jones, and I guess the question I ask is, you know, is he just going to be heaving it downfield, or is, you know, are they going to try to perhaps employ some option or, you know, some, uh, 
how how many yards you know on the ground is he going to put up again? I don't think many. I think he got two statue you, statues. You think he's just going to throw it down there? Him and Tyree Jackson, you got a couple of statues you could throw over any pile of human beings, except maybe Sean Oakman, and and they could get the ball to whomever they need to. Because yeah, I think I think you got guys who are going to be able to stand in there and. and sling it around but also they have good running backs too which is interesting a couple of them and, and i'm i think top to bottom dc has impressive players in, in every phase uh and maybe few weaknesses compared to the battle hawks where you have some question marks i found myself asking fewer questions about the dc defenders when it comes to the seattle dragons though the next team up on our list I have a few more questions, and my main one is, what is it going to be like when they have all these tight ends? They took three tight ends in phase one, Bryant. Yeah, really, uh, some, there is some, I think, Wildcats or somebody that did not take a single tight end in the entire draft. Uh, they took six throughout the entire draft. Must be a vital, uh, vital excuse me, position uh, for their uh, team philosophy. be interesting. Maybe they're going to run that double, uh, what is it, double wing uh, running offense that, that they do at uh, the Army. Or, Army or I think it's going to be more like an ace formation, or I don't know what they're going to do. Going to do, but they oh got JC Amar- Amaro, Evan Rodriguez, Cam Clear taking four, six, and nine in phase one. And they also, like we said, got Keenan Reynolds along with Fred Ross at wide receiver for Brandon Silvers or Joe Callahan or BJ Daniels to throw to. Uh, it, this roster is. is fascinating to me because the tight ends especially but also uh defensively they got some ballers will sutton is a legitimate professional defensive lineman and, and javante dean bounced around on some in some training camps this offseason but he was part of the turnover chain gang that's a that's a db that could get the ball he could, he, he could cover and, and they got multiple guys i think that could cover kentrell bryce i think is a good player and seattle's defense and their offense uh, have, I mean, some question marks in terms of notable names for, I'm sure, if you look at their roster compared to what we just saw with D.C. But I feel like this this team, if Jim Zorn has them, uh, you know, all enthused and, and on his level, it, it could be pretty impressive because they, there's a lot of guys that are speed guys on the roster as well. You're looking at some balance as well, I think, on the defensive side. Went pretty even across the board. Maybe a little light on the linebacker side, at least in the first uh, phase three of the draft, but still very well balanced. It went very uh, well balanced in the cornerback and safety position as well as the draft progressed. Uh, you know, I we kind of ranked uh, Mark, um, excuse me, uh, Jim Zorn as one of the middle coaches, but based on his experience in this quarterback battle, he might be an offensive-minded coach, and as long as he has a sustainable defense that can hold a, a, an opponent down when he needs him to, I think he's going to rely mostly on his offense. Well, yeah, I, I think so, just because of you know his playing career, you know, coming from the coming from the quarterback position in a city where he played already. I would expect him to try to air it out. But uh, you're, you're right; all those tight ends in the first round, you know, you. Although, you know, a lot of wide receivers in the first round also. So so maybe it's appropriate between the two of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what Zorn cooks up, which quarterback he goes with, if it is indeed Silvers, or if Callahan or Daniels emerge. Uh, that's going to be one of the more interesting mini camps and training camps to keep an eye on. 
All right, the New York Guardians threw me for a loop, though, looking at their roster. Uh, they went, they got four receivers, excuse me. And they all, but they also got three running backs in the in the first round. I I did not expect them to 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 be this balanced. Oh wait, I did. Kevin Gilbride. But I did not expect Kevin Gilbride to go wide receiver in the first round. He went D'Angelo Yancey, who is first three rounds. The first three rounds, you're right. He went D'Angelo Yancey, Mikael McKay, and Tanner Gentry. And the, when I looked them all up, all three of them, what they have in common. All three of them were are shorthanded receivers who could play slot, could play outside, can combat catch, and pretty much do whatever you ask them. And that's what they went for. And then in the fifth round, they got one of the more explosive receivers, Demarcus Ayers, who was pretty damn good with the Steelers and in the AAF. Alan, I see bunch formations in New York. That's what I see. I see three receivers bunched up nice and tight, and they're going to spread out from there. That's what I see happening. Uh, in New York. It's going to be interesting because uh, over the, the weekend, uh, the XFL basically confirmed that Gilbride is going to be calling his own plays. Right, uh, One of the only coaches is probably the offensive coordinator as well to his team. Uh, so he, he definitely have, I wouldn't say bias, but some favoritism towards the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that's what I just pictured. I just pictured these three receivers being bunched together and, and then they're going to you know, do some natural picks and things like that and get out there and get into some open space. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, I worry a little bit. Seems like a little too scattered for me. Didn't really focus on one specific area of the ball. I will say this. He did go cornerback. First three uh, picks of uh, of phase four. Uh, looking for that coverage. I went with Jamar Summers out of UConn. I have a question, Jake. Balance, I guess. I have a question for Jake. Do you think Matt McGloin's an Eli Manning clone? Uh, you know... He- Eli Manning now or uh, e- Eli Manning then? <laughs> well, those, those Eli are... is Eli. I've been saying this forever. Eli then, Eli now is the same Eli. He's always been the same Eli. You know what? The, the, answer, the answer should be there's only one Eli Manning. That's actually my answer. But I could see them trying to get what Gilbride got out of, McGlo- out of Eli with McGloin. I mean, Eli a little bit bigger, a little taller. But to get a guy who can manage it and just get the ball accurately – to a heap of good wide receivers they got, because not only did they get Yancey and Gentry, two guys who scored a lot of touchdowns in college, but we, like I said, Ayers in the fifth in the fifth round of Phase One, and then Quadri Henderson in Phase Five. Like they could have some serious weapons at wide receiver. Not to mention Justin Stockton that you brought up, Jake. I think an excellent one-two punch at running back for the New York Guardians with Tim Cook and Stockton. You've got like kind of a a workhorse in Tim Cook, a guy who could run the ball and take some punishment, and Justin Stockton, a little bit more explosive. They've got variety on offense, which I'm sure uh, Kevin Gilbride's very happy about, considering he likes to play to his strengths and, and be balanced. Yeah, they got they got a lot of guy up there. I'm not sure exactly how he's going to utilize him. Is this going to be a you know a Jerome Bettis, Willie Parker situation, or you know are they just going to each take their turn and? You know, whoever stands out from the pack is going to be the number one. Uh, but we're unsure. But more you know, of like a Tiki yeah. Barber, Brandon Jacobs situation, perhaps, maybe. Perhaps, yeah. But Did, I mean, if he's calling his own plays, then we're going to have to see. It's all up to him. Alan, you say well balanced. I just still can't get my mind around the fact that you have Matt McGloin, a more in the pocket passer, and then you have Marquise Williams, who is not. It almost kind of reminds me of of Marquise Williams' last experience with the San. 
San Antonio Commanders when he was behind Logan Woodside. He had these two quarterbacks that ran two different styles of offense. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they use both, if they use both at all, or if he just wanted both options at quarterback to have either that running style quarterback or that pocket style quarterback and kind of build around that. Yeah, that's, uh, again, another training camp to watch with the quarterbacks. Also, got a note, defensively, they took Ben Heaney in phase three, for, uh, round one, pick seven overall in that phase. Uh, like just a classic captain middle linebacker to run your whole defense. Uh, pretty much if you need that kind of player, you couldn't have gotten a better better guy than Ben Heaney who did it at Kansas. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that that defense can can, uh, can hold up, though, because when you look at the uh, – in terms of the names – on the Guardians defense, at least if you're just a casual football fan, you're going to recognize a lot fewer of them than on some of the other teams. That is not necessarily a bad thing. And it looks like they did some homework in New York on the defensive side of the ball. Let's go to the Dallas Renegades where, well, the only homework they did, Bryant, was not just let's just draft Oklahoma Sooners, even though they drafted a lot of Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> they still well. His first pick in the draft was an Oklahoma Sooner. Do you think that's what happened? Is that why they had access to all their picks to start? Because everybody's like, "Look, Stoops is going to take Sooners. Let's just stay away from Sooners and, and and let's just let's just get our own picks." I don't think that's, think that's what, what happened. happened. I think they took good players. <laughs> they also got Tommy Lee Lewis, who is an absolute baller, speedster, can be a gadget player, can go deep, can return kicks. Like that's just he's just a great football player, and then two running backs with NFL experience in Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar, and I mean that's that's reliability, that's comfortability. Like we've talked about with with Bob Stoops and what they got going on there in Dallas. And if you ask me, Willie Beavers, Adam Biznawadi, these are linemen they took in Phase Two that are. I think two of the best linemen I've I've watched play uh, that were in this draft. These both of these guys, Willie Beavers is is crazy strong, a powerful, powerful offensive lineman who can play multiple positions, and Biznawadi is an offensive lineman who can move and play all, multiple positions. And when they've got guys who could carry the ball like Dunbar and Artis Payne, and of course you're running How Mummy's offense, like they've just got so many weapons, it's insane. And, and then the offensive line is good. This is going to be, I think, one of the better teams, at least on paper. And then considering defensively, I already said, Holly Kikaha is, a, he, you know, he'd spent time in the WWE Performance Center, Brian. No, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he, he like went there one weekend and trained. And he's like a very good edge rusher and a football player, just an athlete. This is a dangerous team. Darren Smith, their first pick in Phase 4, a playmaking safety, which might be a rare commodity in this league. It looks to me like this is a high-scoring offense that's going to be also have a defense that probably gets a lot of turnovers. Maybe they bend a lot, but it's going to be one of those teams that's going to, I think, create a lot of havoc and have a lot of splash plays defensively as well. And Bob Stoops, I think, killed it. And that's tough to say because... Uh, if we're rooting for L.A., Brian, L.A. is going to have to get by Dallas eventually. Hey man, are you good? You, you went like five minutes on the Renegades there, by the way. Just putting that They're up. damn good. Uh, They're raising hell. <laughs> I did, so I was at between hash marks. I was asked at the uh, L.A. Wildcats uh, 
a draft party who I thought won the draft. I told them that I hadn't really analyzed the entire draft until today. So I really didn't get that much time to kind of go through every pick the way we're going through it now. But I did say that the team that I thought executed their plan the most was the Dallas Renegades. It seemed like they, they were very cerebral about what they were trying to do here. And and they they accomplished what I think they wanted to. I mean, they're very well in pretty much every uh, facet of this team. There's there's not a hole I can really point to and say, oh, th- th- there's something there. I mean, they're, they're stacked. Their depth might be a little bit of a question, but as long as their starters are holding up, I think you're 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 looking at one of the better teams that you like you said at least on paper uh, going into February 2020. And of course, if you disagree with us at all, or if you have any hot opinions about these rosters, we want to hear from you at XFL Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Because now that there are rosters, there are arguments to be made. There are there are legitimate conversations to be had and we want to have them with you so hit us up on social media or call the xfl fan line at 724-565-4xfl that's 724-565-4xfl continuing breaking down these rosters let's go to the dallas rival the houston roughnecks who they got speed at wideout and they got all the wideouts sammy Coates, hands from khalil lewis this team will run slants. They will throw down the field. This team will throw the ball a whole hell of a lot. They drafted set six corners, six, or excuse me, r- wide receivers, six wide receivers in phase one. After Connor Cook, it was wide out, wide out. Running back, wide out, wide out, wide out. Big wide out. They got wide receivers galore in phase one because June Jones likes to throw the ball. Very interesting, uh, um, I would say, I don't know, if process that they went through because they, they it looks like they were going after Connor Cook. And, and they said as long as um, DC doesn't take him, we're taking him. And then we're going after wide receivers because we feel like that's – it almost seems like they felt like there was the most depth at that position that they could afford to take Connor Cook reassure their quarterback position and make sure they had the best available quarterbacks and then wide out wide out running back and then wide out almost the entire rest of the draft they also picked six wide outs in the phase five portion of this draft very offensive minded team june jones is going to have that team humming maybe not as much as as some of these uh you know how mummy in in the in the um, air raid offense but still uh, still uh, some some great offensive attack plus their 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 own line looks great to me cornelius edison and terry Poole. Uh, to be the cornerstones of that offensive line. Uh, I see a great offensive portion uh, to this team where they're just going to, you know, protect the quarterback, going to try to spread out that defense and get some, some yardage over the air. Alan, if we can go into their defense a little bit, too. I talked about Andrew Jackson. The man just is a tackling machine, probably going to be over the 100 mark uh, in tackles this season. And then I will bring up, uh, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm going to skip him because I'm going to say Robert Nelson at quarterback. They picked him second. Uh, in the phase four portion of this draft, that of uh, Arizona State, uh, yeah, he's court. a he's a corner who's going to play make a play on a ball. They're going to have like a good, I think, kind of zone scheme that they're running there in Houston. I have a feeling guys are going to sit back and try to pick balls off, and uh, it's going to be a, a good it's going to be a good defense. They got Coney Ely in the in the phase five, an NFL talent, just a, a mean mean edge rusher who went to Missouri that we talked about before. And, uh, you know, they've got some youth, too. I think 
Davis Tall, Beniquez Brown. Uh, th those are two. Those are two linebackers that I remember when they were. They both were coming out of college. Davis Tall uh, made it to the Saints. Uh, injuries, you know, just kind of derailed him. Beniquez Brown in college was a beast for Mississippi State, and uh, they both land on Houston's uh, defense. And I can't wait to watch their games. I think this is going to be the fastest offense in the league. I think this is in terms of just getting on the ball and doing interesting things. I think this is going to be the, the offense that is going to they're going to be they sh they're going to be called the 5 seconds or less offense. I think they're going to be running up on the ball immediately and just wearing teams out. Look at all those receivers they drafted. Yeah, but Dallas went speed. That was what they were attacking. They wanted speed at that wide receiver and running back position. I might even say that the tight end position with Sean Price over there for the Renegades. Uh, the Roughnecks, though, you're right. They don't even have a tight end. <laughs> That's the interesting part of this team. Uh, maybe one of those uh, bigger wide receivers can you know, sit there and play some tight end for them. Uh, but you're right. Houston looks good on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side as well. They're going to protect that quarterback, too, with that offensive line. Of course, the quarterback issue, Philip Walker or Connor Cook, we'll see about that. Also, one thing to note, Trenton Thompson, the former Georgia defensive tackle they drafted, he was the number one rated player coming out of high school in 2015. Like We talk about players that had potential or maybe didn't pan out according to what their scouting reports were. Seeing guys like that get another chance, who knows what they can become. It's going to be really cool to see that develop with young players, too. These are young players. And you know what? You talk about Trent, uh, Trent Thompson. Maybe it was the pressure that got to him. This XFL is going to relax the pressure a little bit for these guys. It's not such, you know, the bright lights of of uh, the NFL or even college football. So maybe something like this will give him another opportunity uh, to show his talents and just play football, right? That's what he knows how to do. It's probably what he does well, just play some football. Yeah, and there's a, 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 quite a bit of players that were drafted that kind of are in that category of guys that are looking for another shot that for one reason or another didn't live up to what the scouting report said coming out of high school uh, from 247 or rivals or whatever. But this is the XFL now, and uh, they get to, like you said, go play football some more, which is a beautiful thing. The Tampa Bay Vipers, uh, do they have a beautiful roster, Bryant? I'm not so sure. They're... I haven't ranked the rosters quite yet. I might do that. Don't but we don't rank on this show. We're not ranking? Do we not rank? Well, that's that, that's on the bonus episodes of uh, this is of the, oh, okay. this is the XFL Show's Patreon. Make sure you check that out. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash this is the XFL Show. He's making me Why do it you on Patreon. in the middle of my website plug? Hold on, let me do that again. Patreon.com forward slash this is the XFL Show. He's keeping me in check, everybody. I'm trying to rank, but you got to save it for the Patreon. That's it's That's why we do it for the gentle patrons. Okay, this roster though, Tampa Bay. I know, one thing I know for sure about this roster is that Mark Tressman has a plan. Trying to figure out what that plan is. He drafted a tight end first. Pick five of round one. Go. Yeah, I mean, Nick Truesdale transferred from Cincinnati and finished his career as a Juco tight end. Has bounced around for some NFL camps. That's the pick. That's pass catching tight end. Okay, it's good to have a special type of player like that, a different body type of player that very few players can cover maybe. They get some interesting wide receivers as well. Shontavious Jones is six foot four. 
combat catcher. Jalen Tolliver, six foot three, big targets all over the place in Tampa Bay. When you consider the tight end, the two receivers, okay, I kind of see what you're doing. And you get Devion Smith, the Michigan running back. It looks like this team is going to look to pound you with their receivers and their running back. This is a big offense, Brian. It's, it's an interesting perspective of, of a draft. If you look at it, I would love to have been in a Tampa Bay Vipers room just because you talk about um, not doing things by the book. I mean, he picked the tight end first in, in phase one. He picked the center first in phase two. Uh, it's just so not the norm, I guess you could call it, when it comes to the offense. Unexpected. Unexpected, I guess, is, is the right is the right term. Uh, so you're right. You know, Trestman has a plan. I don't doubt him whatsoever. He is has the most experience at this level of professional football than any one of these coaches. And uh, to me, the most questioning pick is that he picked two kickers, and he's given himself some options while kicking uh, in the phase five portion of this draft. Although I will say, uh, Obum uh, Guachum, did I do it right this time? Obum Guachum. Yeah, you got it. Guachum. Uh, defensive end from Oregon State. We talked about him. I think he's going to tear it up for that team. But you're right. There is a there is a plan here in place. He went cornerback the first four picks of Phase Four draft. So I think that's a little interesting as well. But there is a plan in place here. Uh, I can't wait to see what this roster can develop into under Mark Trestman's brain. Yeah, and one also offensive line. One of the one of my favorite offensive line, Martez Ivy, out of Florida, is on this on this team. And uh, that's going to be just, I think, big guys who play big-time college football like that who can play multiple positions on the offensive line, huge, huge commodities in the XFL. I think that they're, they're going to be. We talked about some other guys like that. If These teams that got guys who are multiple when it comes to where they can play on the offensive line, what role they can do or, or fulfill. Also, strength. I mean, finding guys who are legitimate powerhouses – you want to have, you know, special special capabilities on your guy guys in the trenches. That's why we talked about LA with Sean Oakman a lot today, but also guys like Martez Ivy, guys like Tony Adams. These are guys are super strong and also very smart football players. Tampa Bay, uh, I cannot wait to see what Mark Tressman pulls out. This was definitely one of the most unexpected drafts uh, of of this week when it comes to just pick by pick. Go to the LA Wildcats and finish up our roster breakdowns, though, Bryant. Your, your time to shine. Your favorite draft, obviously. Uh, for me, I, I took notice of a few things. Larry Rose the third and Elijah Hood. That is a one-two punch. That's Reggie Bush and Lendale White right there. Norm Chow. It's got two running backs, two different kinds of running backs. Uh, a pounder, uh, a more finesse, uh, uh, guys who I, you could rely on for sure. I thought I noticed that right away, and they took Elijah Hood first uh, to probably be the bell cow. Ball control offense, I think, is what you're running with Luis Perez and running backs like that, and and sure-handed, experienced wide receivers like Rashad Ross and Nelson Spruce, Katie Cannon as well. Love the Scott Orndorff pick out of Pitt, held a pit, but he's a touchdown scorer. LA has options in the red zone, and they got a big offensive line. Damian Mama, Fred Lawina, and Storm Norton. This this team offensively a tackle. This this team offensively, I think, is plenty for Norm Chow to work with. 
Oh, plenty. And I think Norm Chow has his hands all over this offense. I spoke to him briefly at the uh, at the um, LA Wildcats draft party, mentioned how he loves his offensive line. Didn't even grab a center. I'm sure he's got some plans there. Um, Storm Norin, like I mentioned, he's six, seven offensive lineman. This man is humongous. They probably have the two biggest guys in the XFL on this team in Sean Oakman and Storm Norin. I'm really excited for that. Uh, but you're right. Some good depth. Uh, with Elijah Hood and Larry Rose, some sure-handed wide receivers with Shad Ross, Nelson Spruce. They're going to catch some footballs. And Luis Perez, here's what I like about Luis Perez the most, is we know what he can do. He did it with Birmingham. They were one of the best teams the first few weeks of the season when they had this controlled offense, like you said. For whatever reason, they decided to start throwing the ball 100 times in a game. And, you know, you can't do those things in any football team. You're going you're to make anybody look uh, vulnerable when you start being predictable the way they were becoming predictable in that league towards the, you know, the second half of that season. But I will say this uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I am looking at like, well, like we said, Sean Oakman, a face five pick out of Baylor. Uh, he's a huge man. He's going to, he's going to get the job done. Uh, Anthony Johnson, not that Anthony Johnson that we interviewed on, on this show, but he did get drafted. So we'll put that out there. Uh, congratulations to him. Uh, but Anthony Johnson, defensive end uh, round one of the phase three draft. That's going to be huge uh, for the, for the Wildcats, Coach Moss is going to hype this defense up every single game. Uh, you saw what he was what he was doing at that mean greet is him. He hypes up everything. He was at, he was doing the same thing at the uh, summer showcase. He's going to make these players play. The players are going to want to play for him. Uh, it's going to be a great great uh, atmosphere at these Wildcats games with Coach Moss and Norm Chow on that field. Because I'm telling you, Norm Chow when he gets on that football field, he, it's like a different creature. He's in his he's in his zone, and he loves he loves the smell of grass in the morning. I will say this. <laughs> Football. He's not going to eat the grass, though, like Les Miles. Is I he? don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't forget Nick Novak, too, at kicker out. Um, you know, some question marks on Nick Novak, but he has been a solid kicker uh, for a better part of a decade now. Uh, so I trust him, and he's going to uh, kick some field goals out here in the, in the SoCal uh, again, uh, professionally. Yeah, the, the Wildcats uh, got some SoCal guys. They got also some, I think, guys who are going to be good read and react players who just put ball you know helmets on balls and hats on balls and go after it for Winston Moss he's gonna have one of those read and react defenses I think Jack Tocho Jalen Dunlap who these are guys who I think are gonna be able to sit back and be reliable cornerbacks I think Jalen Dunlap is a, a player who coming out of Illinois has had some injury history but is was probably overlooked because of some of that which like we still keep saying, like oh, there are a lot of guys like that in this league who probably had some unfortunate injuries but can still go. And uh, the Wildcats have a few of those on this defense. Like you said, Anthony Johnson, the LSU defensive end, uh, along with Willie Mays, not that Willie Mays, on the edge for L.A., and Sean Oakman as well. They're very notable defensive linemen on this team. And... This is uh, one of the more impressive rosters. Brian, I don't know if I've graded them my number one. You'll have to wait for the Patreon, but it's up there. you mention grading or ranking again? I'm going to come through this microphone. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to say, so save it for the Patreon. Okay. just It's a good it's a good roster. It's a good roster. <laughs> I think it's all on Luis Perez, quite frankly, with this roster. All on Luis and Perez. I will say this. The, the, the man has had that some that kind of pressure recently. I mentioned it in the interview not too long ago. He's one of the ones who's had the most experience at this league. Uh, I'm sorry, this level of professional football. We talked about Mark Trestman being that second tier um, 
coach, right? He's been in the CFL for so many years. Won three, right? Great cups, Alan. Two or three? I think it's two. I think I it's could three. be mistaken. I think three. three. He I'm not going to sell him one. I believe. I'm not going to sell him short. So we'll say three. We'll say three. Uh, you talk about his experience in this type of football. I'm going with the same thing with Luis Perez. He knows how to manage these types of teams. That maybe the the talent level is a little low, but as long as you work as a unit, you're pretty good. And I think that's what he's going to do for this team. So I'm really excited with Norm Chow. He didn't have Norm Chow, also, by the way, in the AF. No, he did not. He didn't have that. And there's, and so I'm gonna, there's so your I'm main gonna difference. That yeah, that's definitely the big difference in L.A. For their quarterback and the eight assigned quarterbacks, they're, they all have a different situation. Some of them feel like they're going to be handed their spot. Some are definitely going to have to go earn it. And uh, those are our roster breakdowns, our first ever among – I'm sure countless other times we're going to talk about matchups and players and rosters and training camps. That was the very first time, though, Brian, and it felt pretty damn good. Wow, man. It was like strategy, gridiron talk. Like, how long? So, we've been doing this show, what, 92 weeks, I want to say? We'll throw in some doubles in there. So, maybe 90, 91 weeks around there. This is, this is it, man. We've finally gotten to strategy with, with player names with coaches and how they're thinking, uh, how this is going to all develop. You know, we're about six weeks away from, from mini camps opening up in the first part of December. Uh, and we're not that far away from, from training camp uh, in January. So, and then roster cuts are in the end of January. Oh man, this is all happening so fast, but I'm glad that we're actually here at this moment in time. Yeah, we're here. And if you, in case you didn't notice, uh, Jake and Vince, we we're getting so into it and we're the, the league's given us so much to talk about now. It's past their bedtime, and while we, when we recorded the show, they had to go. They had to go in the middle of it because there's just so much to talk about. Honestly, we could do it every day. Maybe eventually one day that will happen. Alan, but Alan. for now, we got to pace ourselves. Alan, what? We had done this every single day this week. If you haven't, rem- if you don't remember, oh my god, I just realized <laughs> we, we did have do this every single week. This is awesome, <laughs> and and every day's been different. Different stuff to talk yes. about. It's insane, and uh, like we said, we what you know while we were there in Stanford, we could do a show on each and every single team individually, which we might. But for now, why don't we get some sleep, Bryant? You and I. I mean, I, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing draft picks, and I'm hearing confirmed in my sleep. Let's take a break, and we'll come right back. And I'm sure we're gonna have an awesome guest. We're going to have awesome stuff to talk about. The schedule's coming out next week. There's a lot going on, and if you need to keep track of it all, if you want everything out in front of you and you want to know what's going on with the XFL, you want to know about this league and everything about it, we got you covered right here on This Is The XFL Show, baby. At XFL Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Brian, did I miss anything else? No, but always, like I say, subscribe on YouTube. We have a lot of information there. We break apart these episodes and actually give you, you know, the 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 cover two, you know, for that specific week, things like that to help you kind of, if you don't have all the time or you want to just re-listen to one part of the show, uh, check out our YouTube at uh, This Is The XFL Show on YouTube. Subscribe there. Alan, if I can get a little mushy here for a quick second, I just want to say thank you again uh, to the league for allowing the access that they did this past week unbelievable never did i imagine when we first started this back in uh, february of 2018 that we would be in that very same room where they were making draft picks so thank you again to everybody out there uh so many of the names so i'll just say thank you again to everyone and alan uh you know what man i'm gonna say this to you 
Uh, great job. This is something that you've been working hard for for this entire time. So great job to you. Uh, you deserve this probably more than any of us on this show. So congratulations to you, friend. Oh, appreciate it. And thank you, Bryant, for you know everything you're doing. Not, not to get too mushy, but thanks to the league, most of all. Not even just for letting us in, but for being a football league. And <laughs> giving us this stuff to talk about because... Man, I'm so happy. I'm so happy we've got rosters now. I'm so happy we're so close to kickoff. And I'm so happy uh, that we get to do this show again next week, maybe even tomorrow. We're doing so many of them, and it's never getting old, and I'm not tired of it. So let's keep rocking and rolling, everybody, at XFL Show, like we said. And, of course, XFL.com. Check the the official league site out now. you got to start going to it because now we have players tickets are coming out on sale you need to get up to date on all that but also our stuff's there too they have a bunch of our content from the draft in case you missed it on xfl.com so go to the league website make sure you're constantly staying active make sure you're voicing your opinion to the league and interacting with us let's argue about these rosters 724-565-4xfl to call into the xfl fan line and let us know if we missed any players you think are going to be awesome. Let us know if we're stupid idiots for saying some player's going to be good or no good. Let's get into it, baby. And we'll see you next time. For Vince, for Jake, for Bryant, I'm Alan. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening.